Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Today to hear a dear friend of mine, G.A. Bartik, who is the salesman, the trained salesman, a, an unbelievably motivational speaker and trainer and strategist, someone who advises businesses to do more, sell more, create more value for their companies. And he shares with us some of his silver bullet methods for sales, which is actually the name of his best-selling book, Silver Bullet Sales. So I'm thrilled to have on G.A. Bartik. And one of the things that I'm hoping you will see at this point is that we are extremely focused on living a better life. And one of the most important components of that is getting the direction and the one-on-one work that you need in order to live better. So I am a strong proponent of coaching. I do a lot of coaching myself, and I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to please do what many other people have done. Reach out. Let's have a conversation. There's no obligation to you whatsoever uh, to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And if that might not be the case, I would be thrilled to introduce you to any of the multitude of options and networks and people that I know who could provide that help. So again, please reach out via social channels, whatever it might be. I don't think I'm too hard to find. Certainly not, I hope. And, uh, and, and let me know how I could be of benefit to you. Thank you so much. I am so thrilled to have on a dear friend of mine, G.A. Bartik, master sales coach. Um, G.A., thank you so much for joining me today. Jacob, it is a pleasure. Glad to be here. Hello, everybody. So what's really exciting for me is that you've had a phenomenal and illustrious career in sales training, helping companies be more effective, sell more, all of these kinds of things. Now, at the time of our recording, we are sitting at the... uh, the tail end, hopefully, or maybe it's the middle of the uh, of the of the COVID crisis, and you know there's a lot of pain out there, and people are having to figure out how to go forward and how to rebuild and how to restart. So, I know as the uh, as the author of the uh, I believe it's nationally best selling book, Silver Bullet Selling. What are some tips to help business owners and, and people who are looking looking to get out out there to close more clients and get more sales? You know, the, the first thing I think is right now is having a vision of success really laid out clearly. What are you trying to accomplish? And then really creating a strategic plan around that that has key initiatives that you can execute on. And that's where I'm, I'm seeing and working a lot of organizations is, hey, what they thought 2020 would look like has obviously taken a left-hand turn. So sitting down and taking a look at what was our strategic plan, what is it right now, and then what key initiatives. And now, and then more important than ever, use this time to get your team really communicating more effectively. If you sit down with your team and you ask them, hey, why should, a, why should another client or a product, why should they use us? What do they say and how do they say it? And do you like what they're saying? How can you make your team and the communications that you have, your team has with your customers and your clients, your competitive advantage? And so our clients right now are really taking this time where things are, are obviously a little bit hectic, but people are at home where they have the time to practice. And I think by a thousandfold, most organizations underestimate the time, the energy, the effort it takes to become a great communicator. And it's all about practice. Because I don't know about you, Jacob, but oftentimes what goes on in my mind, what I think I'm going to say, 
and what I actually say are sometimes two different things. So get a strategic plan down, get your initiatives for what the rest of 2020 is going to look like, then get your team practicing so their communication skills can be your, your organization's competitive advantage. Kind of my thoughts on kind of what they need to be doing. Okay, so we're going to drill in a little bit more on, if, if we could, that component of practice. So, so clearly, you know, you built a career around being an effective communicator. Maybe talk a little bit about what, what practice looks like for you. Have you been able to hone the skills of effective communication? And just in general, if you're giving a workshop, if you're giving a presentation, what's your practice schedule? So, again, it's, it's, a, it's how you go from what I call verbal knowledge. Verbal knowledge is kind of knowing what to say. So if I'm working with the coach and he says, hey, GA, try saying it like this. And in my mind, like, oh, I can say that. That's a, that sounds great. Thank you so much, Jacob. I can do that. Have a great day. Let me go out and do that. And they, they sit there and, and in their mind, that's what I call having verbal knowledge. They kind of know what to say. But how do you move them from verbal knowledge to verbal skill? Verbal skills actually being able to say it and say it out loud to verbal mastery, where they can say the right thing at the right time in those critical moments that matter most when they're under pressure. And so that's why this pr whole practice is so critical to run realistic simulations. And the key is you as a manager, as a coach, to be able to quickly demonstrate what you're looking for and then have your associate repeat that back, but in their own language. I don't believe in scripts at all. I think scripts don't work. And there's two parts to being great in sales. One part is the process, one part is personality. So train them on the process and make sure the process is flexible and if it allows them to put their personality into it, but get them to, to practice small parts. So I'm gonna practice part A. Like our credibility statement has four parts. It is what we specialize in doing, our typical client, a success story, and a transition. So I'm teaching somebody that. I'm gonna teach them the overall process. Then I'm gonna teach them the what and the why behind each one of those steps. So they understand fundamentally, why am I doing that? And then I'll say, okay, great. Let's work on the, what we specialize in doing. Let's brainstorm that. Let's get a whole entire list and let's practice it. Here's what it should sound like. Okay, you try it, Jacob. Or that's not a good, hey, try it again. All right, let's now add on our typical clients. Let me tell you what that sounds like. Okay, let me hear you do that, Jacob. All right, tweak this a little bit. Make sure you're calling timeouts. And think about, I think, I think two organizations get practice. Professional sports and the military. I mean, how does the military get people to act a certain specific way under extreme pressure by practicing repetition? And professional ball players, professional athletes, they practice over and over. I mean, a baseball game, they actually practice in between innings. Oftentimes, batters will go to the batting cage inside the clubhouse before they come out onto the field, before they're at bat. So they're constantly practicing. Why? So they show up better under stress and under pressure. And you're probably spending a lot of money, a lot of marketing dollars to get those leads and clients and prospects in. What is your team doing to be able to, to execute and to be able to convert those leads? And how can your communication skills be the feather that tips the scale your way? It takes consistent practice. And it's not just once or twice, once and done. It's over and over and over again. Before every one-on-one, -on -one should do a little practice. Every team meeting, should, there should be a little practice. Again, Verbal knowledge, that's knowing what to say. Verbal skills, actually being able to say it and say it out loud. And so what you intend to say is actually what you say. And it's actually what you intend your prospect or client to hear. And then that verbal mastery, and that's, again, how do you get them 
verbal mastery is really can say the right thing in those critical moments and that it takes pressure. And again, most organizations underestimate the amount of time, energy, and effort. I see one-on-ones all the time where they talk about stuff, but they never really practice it. And the top organizations, they get down there and they have different scenarios. And they have you know, learning libraries where they can hear what great sounds like. So it's multiple different ways for people to, um, to practice and hear what great sounds like. Amazing. Now, one of the things besides process that you mentioned is personality. And, I, and there's always a risk because, and I find this, and I'm sure you do a lot as well, when, when you or I would walk into a room and we have a certain level of energy or a certain presence, so people look at us and we say, okay, you're a sales guy, you're a high energy guy, you're like a coach, but what about me? And oftentimes you'll find that people feel like they have to disengage or not show up as their authentic self. When in reality, we all know that some of the, the best salespeople in the world aren't charismatic, loud, you know, kind of in your face, aggressive type people. So how does a person develop enough confidence in their own personality and tweak and, and utilize their own personality when it shows up in a sales role or in a business role? So for me, it comes down to two things. Number one is the process. Do I have the process as part of my communicational DNA? So if I don't have the, pro I have the process down, I can then sit back and relax with my conversation I'm having with Jacob and really focus on the conversation and not all the mental gymnastics that are happening in a conversation, especially in a sales conversation. Some of those mental gymnastics are, are they picking up what I'm putting down? Are they believing what I'm saying? What's my next question gonna be? Where do I go from here? All those mental gymnastics takes you away from being generally focused on the other person. So it's, that, it's having the right process that allows me to focus on the person, not worry about where I'm going, because I know the process is already there. And then the second part is that personality and I think every customer, every prospect, every client, they think that their situation is totally different and unique. They're a total snowflake. They are a unicorn. The key is, is that you've got to be able to communicate in a way where they sit there and say, oh my gosh, GA gets me. And so it's about showing that genuine interest. It's about the questions you ask. And so it's not about being super enthusiastic. Can you show a genuine interest and be calm and relaxed? Absolutely. What helps me build confidence is when I have the process as part of my communicational DNA and I practice it enough times so that I know I don't need to worry right now. I can have a conversation with Jacob and focus in on him. And I truly believe that people can feel that and they can genuinely tell when you are interested in who they are and you start creating a customized conversation. I, I love that. And, and, and just to res, res, respond back or to restate back what perhaps I, I heard, the, the idea is when you're showing up with a prospect, with a customer in a conversation, if you're thinking about your personality or you're projecting your personality, you're actually not doing a great job because what they want is, are you listening to them? How much are you hearing their questions? Not necessarily about how you know, you're a great orator or, or not a great orator at all. That's not what they're looking for. 100% well put. I, I like the word orator. You're not an orator. You're simply taking a genuine interest in the other person. So one of the things, you know, it's so funny, I jumped so much, so quickly into tactics, but I, I wanted to focus a little bit more on, on you and sort of your, your personal journey in your sales career and how you built your, your, your consulting company and the kind of work that you do. Maybe tell me a little bit about 
first and foremost, GA the man. As a just just to my listeners, I I know GA well, and he and he and he brings up consistently this concept of being presidential, and he holds himself to the status of being presidential. So maybe share what it means to be presidential and why it's important for someone who's looking to accomplish big things. So, and, and Jacob and I spend hours talking about this and, and what is being presidential? Yes, I'm the president of my organization. And I, when I look at my organization, I not just have my associates that I'm you know, leading the charge for and setting direction and vision of, but I also have their spouses and loved ones, their family. So I really take that into account. But when it comes to you know, really being presidential, how do I show up and how do I make a cognitive effort when I'm talking with other people, especially with people and something that maybe I don't agree with, how do I come off and how do I come across in both A, understanding their side of the argument, if you would, but B, also my total inclination is to take my ball and go home. That's every fiber I'm being sometimes when I'm in a situation is like, screw it, I'm taking my ball and going home. But that's not presidential. And so how do I sit there and really respond to somebody and understand their situation? And then how do we communicate in a way that lets them understand where I'm coming from and why am I making this decision? And the biggest thing I see most people missing in that type of conversation, okay, going back to the what and the why what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. What I find a lot of times in the lack of the why, people go to the worst case scenario. And so as, as the president of the organization, I'm constantly over communicating what we're doing, where we're going and why we're doing these things. And, and, does, that, and does that reflect also in terms of how you see yourself and how you manage yourself and your own kind of ups and downs? Because again, like this isn't, building a business, being an entrepreneur, working in sales, these are not things where you can kind of hide. And you, you're probably bouncing into uncertainty, fear, you know, fear of rejection or actual rejection on, on probably a daily yeah. basis. How do, you, how do you manage that? You know, I, I had a mentor who said, Gia, you need to step into the fear. And that really sat with me for a long time, understanding that. And so those of you who don't know me, I actually failed miserably in my sales career when I first started out. I was an executive at Nordstrom for almost 11 years and did fairly well there in leadership. But I left, I left there to really make my millions in real estate. I was there eight months. I, and I got this positive attitude. I got a ton of energy. I got the gift of gabbing. Those are my initials. I was there eight was months. Um, so and my boss comes in and says, hey, GA, can you sit down for a moment? I love your enthusiasm, I love your work ethic, but I'm like the sales results. You only sold one house in the last eight months. I'm sorry, it's just not working out. And he turns around, he hands me a cardboard box. So I then got a job selling eyewear, got fired from that. I got a job selling corporate photography, got fired from that. So Jacob, you know, I've shared this with you, at 28 years old, I found myself with a paper route. This is before Uber and Lyft. I'd wake up at 3 a.m., go out through 137 Wall Street journals, come back home. My wife would hand us a brand new baby daughter. She'd go out to be a school teacher, not off being a mortgage broker. And that's when I started really studying what do people do and how are they being successful and I'm not. And so when it comes to getting back to this whole presidential, I oftentimes ask myself, you know, what's the situation right now? 
And what is the activity or behavior that's going to demonstrate me being presidential? And that's a fear that I have, is that I'm going to come off not being presidential, not being my genuine self, and going back and falling back on my natural, take my ball and go home type of mentality. So sometimes it's a struggle I have to I, I fight with. And luckily, I got people in, like you in my life that helped me through that. Yeah, th th thank you. Um, out of curiosity, I, I think that that's such a beautiful story in the sense that we, we so often find ourselves kind of wondering why we weren't better or aren't better or, you know, maybe, maybe my wave is past or, you know, if I was going to be successful, it would already have happened. At your darkest moment, what, what did you have to tell yourself or what did you hear inside of yourself that made you say, okay, at 28 with a paper out and, and, and more than that, like a little baby and a wife, how did, what did it take for you or what did, what did you have to bring up in yourself to say, I'm going to go now study. I'm going to go back to school, so to speak, not necessarily go to university, but like, you know, really start to study how to become successful. What, what was that switch that happened for you? You know, I, I remember well, I was, you know, on, on, I was at home, being a, you know, I was a mortgage broker, but I was a broke broker at this time. That's when I was waking up with the paper out, getting done back about 6.37. Then I'd go to this office and be a mortgage broker. And I was watching all these other people around me being super successful, who what I felt didn't have near the talent that I had, or at least the, at least the gift, the gab that I have. And so what are they doing differently than I'm doing? And so I started reading every single book out there. I started reading all, and everything had tips and tricks. And that's when I realized that I'm a process type of guy. And what I watched the people in my office and other people that I was working with and seeing and observing, they were all very systematic in how they were doing things. It wasn't robotic, if you would, but they just had a process and started just started studying in them and started watching them and thinking, what are they doing that I'm not doing? And it became very, very clear all these books I was reading, whether it was Gittimer, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, they all had tips and tricks, but nothing said, hey, here's the path to run down. And so I started, started looking for that path. I knew I needed that structure. And that's when I started doing these, you know, 6,000 plus interviews and realized that people don't wing it. They, they create success on purpose by having a process that works. And I was fortunate enough to be able to just watch and observe and extrapolate from them what that process was. And so that's, so it was really, and I remember sitting, you know, at home and then going to my office and sitting there playing solitaire on my computer, waiting for the phone to ring, watching all these other mortgage brokers all there with deals, trying to figure out why the hell am I sitting here waiting for the phone to ring, not getting these deals? What are they doing differently than I'm not? And that's, this light bulb went off and started, hey, you got to figure out what they're doing that you're not. So just to, just to reiterate what I think, what, I, what, I, what I'm hearing, just for you to, uh, to validate that, is, is that a lot of times people get very frustrated because they feel, hey, I'm qualified, hey, I'm smart, hey, I'm charismatic, good looking, whatever it might be. And you look around and you find yourself that there are people that are less intelligent than you, getting a lot more money than you, people that are less qualified than you, getting all that stuff. And so what I heard was that it takes an element of humility and then going back to this concept called process, which is I'm going to be humble enough to appreciate that 
Maybe they're doing something I'm not. I think also it's that element that, that, that you spoke about this, the sense that you have to at least believe in yourself enough to say, hey, I'm good enough. Like, why the hell am I making that money? So it's the, it's the humility, it, I'm sorry, it's the, it's the confidence in yourself. It's the humility to say that there's something I'm missing. And then it's connecting to that process and studying other people who have achieved sort of what you want in your life. What am I missing? Definitely so. It's, it's, it's being willing to step back and become a student of the game. And that's really, even in, in my own organization, I, I look for people who are hungry, humble, and smart. It's kind of hungry, humble, smart we talk about. But also, are they coachable? And are they a student of the game? Are they a student of the game? You know, are you, are you coachable? Are you looking to, for ways to improve what you do? And when we take on a, sometimes take on a coaching client, I have to very quickly, if I realize this person, there are people out there who just aren't coachable and don't want to be coached, think that their way is great. Their way, their way, their way is great and is working. I'm going to continue to do that. I tell organizations all the time, they may have a superstar who's not doing it their way. I'm like, hey, let him continue to do what he's doing. It's working for him. The key is if, if it, his process is not working with the rest of your people, let's get the rest of your people using a successful process. And so you're, you're, you're spot on with that. It takes a little bit of humility to be able to step back and say, hey, I can get better. What fascinates me is, you know, some of the organizations we train, there will be people right out of college, it's their first job out of college, and the people who transferred into that organization who have been in it for 20 years, will be going to, through a three-day training with us, and the new kids are sitting there on their phone texting their buddies, and the 20-year vets who are making six and seven figures are sitting there taking down meticulous notes because they know that if they can just get just a little bit better, it can lead to dramatic results. That's what I tell people all the time. With all the conversations you had, if you're just a little bit better communicator, think about how dramatic the results. It just cracks me up though, when I watch these young, young kids sometimes sit there and, ah, I'm, I got this. I don't need to practice. I'm, or they say, oh, GA, I can't do it with you, but I'm in front of a client, dude, I am golden. That's when I throw a flag on the play and say, hey, you know, if that was the truth, then again, professor, professional athletes, they would never practice. They just go into the game, right? But what do football teams do? They practice for six days for one, you know, three-hour game. So I, you know, I, I think that that piece is so crucial because both on the, the – I mean, we're, we're both in the coaching business and both as the, as the coach and as the coachee or the person coming in to be coached, there's oftentimes an expectation or a need – that, you know, okay, this has to revitalize my world. I'm at a zero, I need to be at a 10. Or I need to become a, you know, I have to take my client from zero to 10. And the reality is that's not true at all because the micro changes that you can make in your life are the ones that ultimately have a huge, a, a huge effect just down the road. There's no silver bullet, magic bullet kind of a thing. And if it is, it's usually not sustainable. You have to be realistic about what you're looking for and what you can help with and be able to, again, it's that humility to say, you know, or, or maybe it's that confidence. It's, it's, it's not that I need to review, redo my whole life. It's I need like three little tweaks and I'll get back on to where I want to be. Is that accurate? A hundred percent. We talk about it all the time, just a small little twist to lead to dramatic results. And the key is we spend most of our time, not individual coaching. We often spend most of our time and most of our organizations spend time doing what we call six legged coaching. We are coaching the manager, the supervisor, the coach of the associate, or we're coaching that person. What we found is that most managers, supervisors, co coaches, 
they've never really been taught how to transfer skills. You know, what usually you see happens is they're really good in sales or they're great in customer service. We have a supervisor manager job open up. Great. They apply for it on Monday. They interview on Wednesday. Hey, Friday, congratulations, Jacob. Monday morning, you're a supervisor. <laughs> Knowing how to good. do something well is a totally different skill than being able to do it and, and coach it. So we spend most of our time teaching people how to transfer the skills that they have across their entire organization. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a little different, unique way to look at it. And, and people already think about it when we show them this whole coaching process, like, wow. And again, it's about taking incremental steps. And sometimes in the coaching, they want to take that associate and have them go from zero to 12. And we're like, give them zero to three. Are you going to coach them again later this week? And so just being, and being able to accept that, that we're going to make incremental steps, but we're going to coach over and over and over again, that we're going to get to there. Amazing. Um, I, I feel like I go on for, for, for a long time and, and I have a lot of follow-up questions, but I, I think suffice for now, tell me a little bit more about the company that you run, how people work with you. If people would want to reach out to you or to hear kind of more about what you do, please, uh, please let us know. Yeah, so Concilio, really what we specialize in doing is helping improve the performance of sales and customer service teams. And we, we truly live in, we, in three conversations. That first conversation is your frontline associate, whether it be sales, customer service, billing tech. If you have a frontline associate talking to a customer, that's a conversation we live in and help organizations, again, help that conversation be your competitive advantage. The second conversation is that supervisor, manager, coach, executive, how are they coaching that frontline associate? That conversation, how we do that, we work with. And then the third is helping the organization create the culture to do the recruiting they wanna do effectively. And then how do you permeate that culture across the entire organization? You know, we work with a lot of enterprise companies from Google to YouTube, hotels.com, Expedia, also with a lot of much smaller local companies. If you're looking to really create an organization where you sometimes if you have a competitive situation where it's almost commoditized, that's where we really thrive to help people see that the conversation becomes that feather that tips the scale of your organization's way. So we work by creating the sales process, so the communication process, the coaching process, or taking what you already have and customize it. Everything was totally, it's nothing's off the shelf. It's all customized to our clients. They then own the content materials and anything we create. So our job is then to train them to make it part of their organizational DNA. So they can move it forward long after we are gone. Outstanding. And, and the best way to find you. GA at concilio team.com GA at concilio C O N S I L I O team.com concilio means in Latin with intent or on purpose is everything we do. It's with intent and on purpose. How do you create success on purpose? That's what it's all about, my friend. Love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your wisdom. Jacob, thank you for everything you've done for me and my organization, too. It is Very a great. pleasure to work with you. Thank you kindly. Thank you, sir. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. Another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up. And also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.